Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Well, let's jump into this morning's message. Today, we're starting a brand new series uh, for Advent called Hope and Joy. You know, the holidays are a wonderful time of year. Uh, You have Christmas music. Uh, Some of you have been listening to Christmas music for a long time. Uh, But you're allowed to now. Everyone can let it just unleash all the Christmas music you want. Uh, Let it rip. Uh, You have beautiful music, Christmas music. You have gingerbread lattes, which are so good. You have lights and decorations. Uh, You have time with loved ones. Uh, You have the sitting by the fire under a blanket lost in your favorite novel or maybe wishing you had a little more time for that during the holidays. Uh, You have the joy and the anticipation of children. Part of the great joy of the holiday season is just watching uh, kids light up and and be so excited about Christmas morning with all the joy and the anticipation. Uh, There's a lot to love about this time of year. Uh, But, you know, the reality is, is that the holidays can also be a really difficult time of the year. Uh, as I know all too well, it's cold and flu season. <laughs> and some of you know all that all too well uh, as well. Uh, but you also have family dynamics of, of trying to plan get-togethers and, and some of the family drama that goes on. And that, that's always difficult to navigate. Uh, it's difficult to navigate travel plans and where do we go this year and how much time do we spend there and all that, uh, all that is involved in travel plans. It can be difficult. It's also a time of year where maybe more than any other time we miss loved ones who have passed away and who have died. Uh, we're reminded of them in this time of year. This time of year is also a time where we're reminded maybe more, more so than others of, of the reality of broken families. Um, so there are bad things uh, that go on during this time of year. It's a difficult time of year because on one hand, you have the beauty of the lights, and on the other hand, you have to string those lights up in order to enjoy their beauty, right? Uh, you have gingerbread lattes, which are so good, but then you also have eggnog lattes, and you wonder, why is that a thing, right? Uh, th- there's all kinds of good things and bad things in this time of year, and I suppose I'm a bit running the risk of putting a damper on the first Sunday of Advent, but have you ever felt like you've just lost hope around the holidays? Um, Maybe you've lost hope that your family will ever get it together. (laughs) Maybe you've lost hope that you'll ever heal from the pain of that loss. Uh, Maybe you genuinely are wondering if you'll ever feel well again. (laughs) And as you carry that very real sense of a loss of hope, you come to church and we light candles and we talk about hope as though it is so attainable, so reachable, and so available. Well, this Advent season, what I want to do is I want to talk about uh, hope and joy. And in particular, I want to talk about how we can have such things. Uh, I want to talk about how we can have hope and joy in the midst of crazy news cycles and in the midst of all of our own stuff. And we'll spend the first two weeks of Advent here this week and next week exploring hope and then the final two weeks exploring joy. And one of the verses that will anchor us during this series is found in Romans chapter 15 verses 13 and And this morning, I'm just going to invite you to hear the word of God. I won't ask you to to open up your Bibles because I'm going to be all over the place. But 
One of the verses that will anchor us is Romans chapter 15, verse 13, which says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a great verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him in order that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is a tricky thing. It's completely intangible and 100% subjective. Uh, And sometimes we are full of hope and other times we feel as though we can't scrape any hope together at all. And sometimes we feel as though all hope is lost. And so where does it come from and how do we get it? Uh, That is our task this morning and that is our task for this series. And I believe that we need the help of the Holy Spirit. So let's say a word of prayer and let's jump into it together. Heavenly Father, today as we gather in your name and in your presence, uh, we pray that you would fill this space but also, God, that you would fill our hearts. Lord, may you speak to us, reveal to us the true nature of hope, reveal to us, God, reasons to hold on to hope. Lord, teach us about the nature of faith, that we might walk faithfully. And God, for those uh, who are already feeling in this holiday season, uh, all the things that would be caused to to be filled with despair or sadness or a loss of hope, God, I pray particularly that you would speak uh, to them, to us. Um, Restore, God, our hope. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I begin talking about hope by recognizing that uh, we humans uh, are very inclined toward hope. Um, we're inclined to hope for a better future, even in the most dire of circumstances. Uh, and sometimes we, we see this reality um, exploited in action-adventure movies and TV shows where a villain uh, will, will capture someone and uh, in order to make their time under their capture more miserable, they will continually give them reasons uh, to hold on to hope that they will be rescued, even though the villain has no intention uh, to ever uh, see to it that they will be rescued. And of course, it's, uh, in other words, uh, to be the most, uh, the most vicious, uh, a villain needs to only give their captors reason to hope. Uh, And we see this play out, and so what we recognize is that the human condition uh, wants to hold on to hope, even in the most dire of circumstances. Uh, The problem, though, is that the way that we often ground our hope uh, is in our own subjective possibilities. Uh, What I mean by that is, is this. We tend to look at the future through the lens of our own capabilities um, that is to say that our hope is often grounded in, our, in the future as our own capabilities are, are capable of bringing about. 
Uh, and sometimes this can lead us to, to tremendous hope, right? Uh, we, we can say to ourselves, I can overcome this. Uh, we say to ourselves, I am strong enough to get through this. Uh, we often might say to ourselves, I have been through this before and I can get through it again, right? And so, so we have this sort of internal dialogue that as we look at the future of, uh, as we look at the future through the lens of our own capabilities, uh, we are filled with hope and say, you know what, I got this. Uh, but just as easily as that can lead to hope, that can also lead to hopelessness or to losing hope. Uh, have you ever had an internal dialogue that sounds something like this? I will never get over this addiction. Or I can't ever heal from this pain. Or I'll never be able to move past this setback. Or how many of you have ever said this? And I won't ask you to, for a show of hands, but how many of you have ever said, things will never change? You see, the, the problem is, is that we often ground our hope uh, in a future that is painted with our own possibilities, our own strength, our own resources. And oftentimes, in the face of our limited capabilities and resources, we find that our hope wavers. It goes back and forth. It, it isn't steadfast because it changes as quickly as our own sense of confidence and of course, we're, uh, we are strong creatures, we're adaptive creatures, and so in the face of, of our own limited capabilities, if, if I can't place my hope in my own resources, in my own potentiality, then of course, we try to ground our hope in something or in someone else. And what I want to say to you this morning is that that impulse is correct, but again, the problem is that the object of our hope is often misled or off base. And so the impulse to place our hope in something else, in light of our own limited capabilities, is in fact correct, but uh, where we end up grounding our hope is often misled or off base. For example, if you have ever said, my spouse will make me happy once and for all, then there is a good possibility that you are placing all of your hope in your spouse. Uh, or if you've ever said, if uh, only things could be like they used to be, uh, then you are likely placing your hope in some picture of the past. If you have ever said, I will get over this when, and then you fill in the blank. Uh, or if you have ever said, I will be happy when, fill in the blank. Um, you'll recognize those kinds of comments, those kinds of mindsets are often indicators that, you, that we have followed the correct impulse to place our hope in something beyond ourselves but where we have landed is misled or off base. Uh, because the reality is, is placing our hope in those things uh, never really works anyway, right? <laughs> uh, I'll be happy when I get Bluetooth calling in my car. 
And then you get Bluetooth calling in your car and you realize you're still not happy. <laughs> or you're happy for a little while, but it doesn't last, right? I'll be happy when, and then you just fill in the blank. And then you chase that thing because all of your hope is, is, is placed in that. And then it happens. And maybe it works for a little while, but then it just fizzles out. This morning, I want to remind you of something that I think is actually quite obvious. Uh, but I think that we, we, need, we need reminders of it. Uh, and that is this, that the, the Christian hope invites us to ground our hope in God. Christian hope invites us to ground our hope in God. Uh, again, our impulse to to place our hope and ground our hope uh, for a more certain future or for a better future or, or, or things really churning around. Uh, that's, we place our hope and our impulse to ground our hope in something other than ourselves or larger than ourselves is correct. But let me say to you, the only thing, the only person big enough and capable enough to handle our hope is God himself. Place our hope in anything else and that it will, we will eventually be let down. Our hope will will falter. Now, of course, there are, there are reasons why we can place our hope in God, and there are reasons why God is the only person big enough to, in which we can place our hope, to handle our hope, to bear the weight of our hope. And the first thing I would point out as to why God can actually do this is, that, is this, or, or the reason why we can place our hope in God is this, the, that the past faithfulness of God, as recorded in Scripture, gives us hope that God will act on our behalf in the future. That is to say that our certainty about the future comes uh, from the evidence of the past, we have lots of, of evidence in Scripture that God is indeed faithful and true to his word. In the Old Testament, God makes a promise to Abraham. And he says that Abraham's descendants will be made into a great nation. And, and in fact, they are. And then that nation is enslaved uh, by Egypt. And God hears their cries and rescues them. And then God promises that they, that people that he rescued out of Egypt, will inherit a land and that they will call that land their own and that that land will be enough. Uh, it will produce what is necessary for them to live with more than they need. And it comes to be known as the promised land. Well, they mess up and they are kept from the promised land and they wander in the wilderness for years and years, but God is faithful to take care of his people while they wander. I think just that imagery alone, there's no particular one verse, but just the imagery that God is faithful to watch over and to care for his people as they wander is a really great word. Because sometimes during the holidays, don't we feel like we're just wandering? <laughs> However, despite this setback, God is true to his word and he leads them into the land that he has promised them. They are able to call it their own and it, is, and it produces what is necessary for them to live with more than they need. And so what you get a sense of throughout the biblical story is that God is faithful and keeps his promises and that through all the ups and downs of life's circumstances and even in our own unfaithfulness, the witness of scripture is that God remains steadfast in his faithfulness to him and to us. 
Now, this is illustrated in the way that the prophets and the poets spoke about God, God whom they called Yahweh, the one true God. God pleads through the prophet Malachi. He says this. He says, return to me and I will return to you. Doesn't that speak to the faithfulness of God that Yahweh himself God himself would plead through one of his prophets and say to his people, if you would just return to me, I will return to you. In other words, God is saying, I'm sticking to my end of the deal. I'm in this and I am with you and I will not abandon you. Those sound like familiar words, don't they? And also the prophet Jeremiah describes Yahweh as this. He says, He says that Yahweh, God, is the hope of Israel, its savior in time of distress. And then I love this. The poet writes writes this in the 130th Psalm. O Israel, wait for Yahweh, for with Yahweh there is loyal love, and with him there is abundant redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all of its iniquities. And so the prophets and the poets spoke of God in this way. And then in the New Testament, the witness of Scripture is this, that all of God's faithfulness is then embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. And so now, instead of hope being directed and centered on Yahweh, now all hope is centered and directed on the Word made flesh who is Jesus Christ. And of course, this makes sense, doesn't it? Because through the miracles of Jesus, people saw hope embodied have you ever wondered as you read the New Testament and the, and the Gospels, what are, all this, what are all these miracles about? Well, part of what they're about is they're, they're, they're showing us what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what the world is like when God is in charge. But one of the tangential effects, one of the effects of that is, is also that this is hope embodied. You want to know what hope looks like? Here's a blind man who is healed. Here's hungry people who are fed. Here's miracle after miracle after miracle. Here's a storm that is calmed at the the sound of of, of just a word and the sound of a voice. You see, what all of these things were doing is not only embodying the kingdom of God, but they were demonstrating to us what hope looks like. Because when you see these things, when you have evidence of these things, that, that, all, that what you have then is reason to believe that things can actually turn around. That there is actually a new day that is around the corner. And so what we see from the very first evidence of the Old Testament all the way through the Old Testament narrative, all the way through the prophets, all the way through the poets, all the way through the the New Testament, what we see is that the whole narrative of the biblical story is pointing us to God's past faithfulness. And what what the message is, is then we ought to have hope as the people of God for the future that God is bringing about. The past faithfulness fuels our hope for the future. And so we have reason for that. But we also have this. We also have our own stories of God's faithfulness to fuel our hope for God's future. I'd be willing to bet that if we took the time this morning, there would be several stories from all of you that you could tell about God's faithfulness in your life. 
Times when you felt pushed up against a wall, you didn't see any way out, you didn't know what other path to take, and, and yet God proved himself to be faithful. Or maybe you have times in your life where as the story is told and as you are walking through it, you just said, this was an utterly dark and despairing time. I didn't see a path through. I didn't know a way out. I had no idea. And yet, with time now, with time now on your side, and it's now in the past, you can look back and say, those are the moments when God was with me even in the midst of the darkness. Even in the midst of despair, God was there. In fact, I want to give you a very explicit invitation this morning. We would love to hear those stories. We don't have time this morning to share them publicly, but I would invite you, if you have a story of God's faithfulness in your life, and it could be big, giant, or it could be small, something that you would say, oh, that wasn't that big. It may seem insignificant in your, in your own narrative, but any time that you can point to God's faithfulness in your life, we would love to hear those stories. Because as we're talking about hope and joy, one of the, one of the things that fuels our hope for the future is the, is the faithfulness of God in the past. And so do me a favor. If it's, if it's a short story and you can fit it in the lines of your connection card, write that down this morning. During the message, when the message gets boring, write down your, your, your message of hope and, and, and God's faithfulness, okay? Uh, or if it doesn't fit in the lines, send us an email. Send us an email to mystory at the road FC. Dot org. My story. Now, the pesky autocorrect is going to try to change that into mystery. Okay? And we're not, we embrace mystery as part of faith, and that's good. Uh, but, uh, we, uh, but, we, but we don't have an email address, mystery at. It needs to be my story at uh, theroadfc.org. And we would love to hear those stories of God's faithfulness, and we'll share those um, together as part of a community. So, so tell us your story. And then the third reason we have to believe in God and, and to hope in God is this, that we have the reality of the resurrection. And you hear, about, you hear me talk about this often, uh, but our hope is rooted in the resurrection of Christ. Our, our hope in Christ is rooted in resurrection. Uh, the resurrection was the first evidence of the new world that God is bringing about. And so no matter how dark the present seems, we can have hope that God is going to redeem all things and fill all things with his presence. That ultimately what God is doing in the world is he is bringing about what is truly good news for all people, that all things will be made new. And what's curious is that even before Christ, even before the people of God could articulate that, that, that our hope is, is grounded in the person of Jesus Christ, the prophets had visions of what this new world might look like. The prophets, that is to say, had their imaginations broadened and sanctified by God so that for a moment they would gain glimpses of what God is up to in the world, even early, early on in the story. And so the prophet Zechariah says this. I love this picture. He says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. For see, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. Now, those two pictures don't usually go together. This is a fundamentally different picture that Zechariah is painting. You don't have righteous and victorious next to lowly and riding on a donkey together. 
And so Zechariah is already trying to communicate that a king is coming, but it's a different kind of king. And beginning with verse 10, he says, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken and he will proclaim peace to the nations. He will, his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. And I love this verse. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. For even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Isn't that a beautiful picture that the prophet Zechariah paints for us of the world that God is bringing about? You see, the prophet's encouragement to us is, is to be imprisoned by hope. To be imprisoned by hope. And he says, the only, but the reason that we, you can be a prisoner of hope and the reason that you can be imprisoned to the, to the intangible idea of hope is because of this, that a king is coming who will end war among the nations and who will bring peace, a king whose rule will extend from sea to sea. And what the New Testament authors do universally is they apply this vision of kingship to Christ. What the New Testament authors do universally is apply this vision of kingship to Christ. That Christ is this king. That his rule, the kingdom of God, is from sea to sea. It is not held in by any national boundaries. It isn't, it isn't held in by water even. Even water cannot serve as a boundary to this kingdom. For the kingdom is without boundary from sea to sea. And it is Christ, the Prince of Peace, who will come and finally bring peace to the nations. And so the invitation for the people of God is to become prisoners of hope because of the kingship of Christ. I know that isn't very deep. <laughs> I know that isn't very profound. If you tweeted that, it wouldn't get any likes. But it is a reality that I feel like the church needs to grab a hold of. The reason we can have hope is because of the kingship of Christ. That we can look at the crazy news cycles and and the madness going on in our world and in our nation. And we can look at the, the mess of our own lives. And in the moments when we're, we're tempted to say, how can I have any hope? Can I place my hope in the accumulation of things? Can I place my hope in, in, in finally finding that dream spouse? <laughs> Can I place my hope in, in this or that? Or like, our, again, sort of our impulse to look outside of ourselves for our hope is, is correct, but we can't ground our hope in anything but the kingship of Jesus Christ. That when all things seem to be running amok in our lives or in our world, I wonder if the people of God could just sort of have this quiet confidence and be able to say, and I explained the, 
all of this last week. If you missed it, you can go to the podcast, but we can say, Jesus is Lord. Christ is King. I didn't mention this last week, but I, I need to say it this week. Um, the first Sunday of Advent is the first Sunday of the, the liturgical new year. So happy new year. <laughs> the last Sunday of the liturgical calendar is the last Sunday in ordinary time or proper 29. Very exciting names, right? It's also this, Christ the King Sunday. Which is a way of saying that, that the way that Christians close out the year is recognizing after we've, after we've joined Israel in anticipation for the coming king in Advent, after we've celebrated the coming king in Christmas, after we've celebrated the, the proclamation of the gospel to even all the Gentile nations in Epiphany, after we've recognized our own sinfulness in Lent, after we've recognized and celebrated the beauty of victory and resurrection life in Easter, after we've celebrated the birth of the church in Pentecost, and then after we've been sent on mission in ordinary time or kingdom time, then all of that ends with Christ the King Sunday. That we have retold the story of the gospel and let us end with this. Jesus Christ is Lord over all. Amen? That's good news. And so now, since we've, we've done that, Let's connect the beginning of the year with the end of the year and say that when we need hope in Advent, because we're not sure if Jesus is going to show up in the middle of our situation and we're standing in this season of anticipation, let us ground our hope in this reality that Jesus Christ is King. And we have no other reason to hope. And yet at the very same time, we have all the reason in the world to hope. And so I'll say it again, the invitation for the people of God is to become prisoners of hope because of the kingship of Christ. This is the invitation for people to come into faith. This is the, like, like what, if, what if our evangelistic strategy was that? I would love that. Uh, what if our evangelistic strategy was to, to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he gives us all kinds of reasons to hope? And, and what if in the, in the midst of dark places in, in people's lives, in the midst of dark places, when, our, when, when everything seems to be out of kilter and, and, and off center in, the, in our nation and in the world, what if the people of God could come in with an evangelistic strategy that says, in the middle of your darkness, there is a light who has come and he is king. I think that just might work. Because guess what? People often aren't argued into faith. They are invited into it. And for as long as the church is trying to argue people into faith, I don't know if it'll ever really work. It might work sometimes. But more often than not, it won't. People, I don't know of anyone 
And somebody should do a research study on this. Has anyone ever come to know Jesus Christ because of an argument on Facebook? Um, because of a political, um, uh, or, or, what, or any kind of like uh, spout on Facebook. Has anyone come to know Christ? But, but scores and scores, scores of people have come to Jesus as, you, as we walk with them in the midst of their darkness and invite them into faith and talk to them about the, a, a king who is Christ. The invitation for us today is to place our hope in Christ who is the embodiment of God's covenant faithfulness, who is in fact the world's true Messiah and the Lord over all the nations. If you place your hope in your own potential, it will waver. If you place your hope in things, they will let you down. If you place your hope in another person, you will eventually be disappointed. And so the invitation today is to place your hope in the unwavering faithfulness of God to put your faith in the kingship of, kingship of Christ because all other leaders will fail. That's a good message. That's good, upbeat preaching for Advent, Pastor. Thanks for that. I'd be remiss if I didn't spend a few moments addressing this. Because I'd be willing to bet some of you have been here. You, maybe you are there. I know I certainly have. What about the times when God doesn't seem to come through? How can you build a resume of God's faithfulness if you feel like he has let you down? The whole argument of basing our hope in Christ based on his past faithfulness means that he has to have past faithfulness, right? And for some of us, we might be looking at our lives saying, you know what, I'm just not there. I, I, I can't build a resume of God's faithfulness in my own life. And I wanna be honest about that because this is a reality for a lot of people. Let me talk to you for a few moments today about the relationship between hope and faith. And I wanna begin by saying this. Faith is not certainty. Although in many Christian circles, it will be spun that way. That to have more faith is really just code for being more certain of what you believe or of a certain circumstance. And a lot of times what happens is if we understand faith as being the same thing as being certain that in the midst of our own trial or tribulation or darkness or, or questions or confusion, when we are trying to muster up more faith, what we are trying to do is muster up more certainty and we just can't do it. There just isn't enough material of our life to build certainty from. And, and, and so we find ourselves feeling like maybe we have lost faith. And then we feel guilty and then all, everything runs amok. And, and so we feel like we either have to be more certain or abandon the whole thing altogether. So let me say to you, if you're here today and you're just not sure about this hope thing and you don't feel like your life has enough material on which to build hope in God, let me first of all say to you that faith is not the same as certainty. I hope this is a word for somebody. 
What faith is, is faith is making a commitment to go in a particular direction in the face of uncertainty. So practicing faith is committing to go in a direction in the face of uncertainty. That's faith. In other words, it's having just enough confidence to move in a direction. And then this, that faith turns into hope when I can see the direction that my faith takes me. My faith turns into hope when I can see the direction that my faith takes me. In other words, I can have hope when I dare to see in my mind's eye a world at peace. So a world, the world may be in conflict and I may be tempted to have no hope, but my faith that Jesus Christ is Lord and will bring peace to the world, that faith turns into hope when in my mind's eye, in my imagination, I can begin to envision what a world looks like when it is at peace. Does this make sense? Please say yes. <laughs> I have hope when I can picture in my mind's eye a world that is made new. I have hope when I envision what it would be like for that relationship to be reconciled. Right? A relationship is broken. It is lost. I have faith that God is sovereign enough that all things will be made new, including eventually this relationship being reconciled. But I want that doesn't turn into hope until I begin to envision through a sanctified imagination of what it would look like for that relationship to be reconciled. Hope is faith with eyes. Let me illustrate it to you this way. If I take my glasses off, I cannot see you. And I cannot see my notes. So we're winging it. <laughs> Let me illustrate it to you this way. Faith is this. If I take my glasses off, I have faith that all of you are still there. And so I'm going to keep preaching. But for all I know, you could have left by now. Because I literally cannot see. I am almost completely blind without my glasses. And you're like, but he's up here walking around. Um, <laughs> that's right, take a little bit of a risk. So this is faith. Faith is me continuing to preach despite the fact that I can't see very much evidence at all that you all are still there listening. Hope is putting my glasses back on so that my faith has eyes. And now... I know that you're all still here and awake. <laughs> That's good. Hope is putting the glasses on to be able to begin to see where my faith is leading me. And I, this is not... Uh, I don't have time to develop all of this, but I, I have a conviction that this is not just like uh, fluffy self-help self -help stuff. Uh, but, but rather, like, faith, as it's evidenced in Scripture, 
is never really about belief. In fact, Jesus never says, Jesus never actually goes up to someone and says, do you believe all the right things? Right? Like, like we tend to do. Um, but Jesus actually never does this. So, so for Jesus, faith is not at all equal to do, do you believe the right things or do you have the right worldview? Um, for Jesus, faith is, is trust. Are, are you walking in step with me? Do you trust me? Do you trust that I am a king? A particular kind of king of a particular kind of kingdom? Yes, good. Now walk in that way. And, and so faith is about trusting. And then, and then faith is brought into hope when we can begin to see, okay, if I walk in this way, if I walk in the ways of Jesus, this is going to lead my life down a particular road. It's going to change my heart in particular ways. It's going to shift my perspective in particular ways. And so now I'm beginning to see the world as it does not exist, my life as it doesn't yet exist, and that brings me to hope. Amen? And hope is a motivator. I hope this makes sense. And so, we do faith when we envision in a concrete way that which we hope for. And that sets our life in a direction. And so hope is the futuristic orientation of faith. And so here's my encouragement to you. If you're in a season of where you're like, I just, I can't, I can't find hope. And we're lighting all these candles and we're talking about it like it's just so easy and attainable. If that's where you're at, let me, let me encourage you today. Don't allow doubt or discouragement or uncertainty to rob you of your faith and hope. In fact, I want to go one step further. Uncertainty and doubt are part of the journey of faith and hope. Right, so, like, so I don't want to just say, don't allow them to rob you. But rather I want to say, it's part of the journey. That I would be worried if like you never had any doubts in your life. <laughs> because again, faith isn't, isn't like this, this certainty, but rather faith is a trust. And do I trust enough in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of the doubt, to continue walking in a direction that will lead me down a path of hope? That's what I'm trying to communicate. Because here's what I want to say. Don't ever feel that if you've lost certainty, that you've lost hope. Because Christ is still there to hold on to. Even in the midst of the uncertainty, even in the midst of doubt, Christ is still there to hold on to. And so, in closing, if your hope is misplaced this Advent season, place it in the faithfulness of Christ and the reality of resurrection. Or if this Advent season you, have, you find no reason to hope, then I encourage you with this. Carry your faith with you into the doubt. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have been challenged this morning 
And I pray that you would make clear in our hearts and our minds the relationship between faith and hope. And God, we're thankful that we have reason to hope. Um, that in the midst of whatever we may be going through, uh, we can always hold on to the kingship of Christ. Thank you, God, that, that you came, the word made flesh, to begin a kingdom and to be a different kind of king because God, the world knows we need a different kind of king. And you are that. And so, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we love you. Be with us in these closing moments of our service as we gather around the table, as we pray, as we uh, sing some more. God, whatever what we have planned, we just pray that your presence would fill it, and that you would speak to our hearts. And God, take this message and apply it to our lives um, through your Holy Spirit. We, we recognize that we need your work in us to know what do we go and now do in light of these truths in this message. So Lord, help us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.